0: The Wank Tank. Eavesdropping.
1: Hey Michelle. Hi. Welcome to the podcast this week. It's called Eavesdropping. We are talking, you as the listener are eavesdropping. So please don't write in and complain that we've told you something that's wrong. Because like we always say, we play fast and loose with the facts. Fast and loose. We do indeed. Although I, I have to say, last week's episode, which has to have been one of the... I edited it quite well, so you couldn't see hear all the ums and ahs and <laughs> the long silences. But it was one of the least researched or Googled episodes we've ever done. Shame, because it was an interesting topic. Cloud busting, cloud seeding, ley lines, crop circles. We'll come back to it. We can always come back to it. I heard from Fran Ray, who's a listener. Shut up, Fran. It was a good one, she said, or a, a good she said.
0: A good un Oh, well, that's good because oh. you always get a bit worried when you mm. do fuck all
1: Absolutely. <laughs> <and you're> like,
0: <laughs> on a wing and a prayer. But you know what? I will also say our eavesdroppers were treated to one of the best videos of you dancing like
1: Kate Bush. Thank you.
0: With a dog running in the frame. It was, there was two oh. dogs.
1: Do you know, oh. <laughs> I have been honing my Kate Bush skills from a very young age. I learned to do a babushka dance for my... You know Girl Guides, you had to get a a badge, didn't you? And the only one I ever got was the Hostess badge, which is the one that you get when you make some coconut ice and make a cup of tea and serve a few people. Then you have to entertain them. And I think I sang them a song on my guitar and then I came out and did a mime to Babushka. (laughs) so I know the dance very well and since then at every party or just get together with friends doesn't even have to be a party I'll don the old well I have got a wig which I've lent to a friend now but up till that point when I had my own wig it was always just a pair of black tights a slick of blue eyeshadow and a bright red lip a frock and I'd be out there entertaining whether you liked it or not.
0: I think there may have been a few wines along with the outfit beforehand. Yeah,
1: in later years, yes. But like I said, Michelle, I've been doing it since I was about 12. So was, there yeah. was a long time of doing it just sober. A long time.
0: I remember my sister and I, we loved the babushka video. And I remember begging my mom to please make me a babushka outfit
1: for the school just disco. A metallic bra. And she didn't know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> of course she, she did. No. <laughs> Imagine you turning up like that. <laughs> I don't think that's appropriate. <laughs> it's really inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, but I just loved it, and I thought, oh, I would. It would be so cool to wear that at, at the disco. But anyway, no. Jen put her foot
1: down. Jen put. I'm her glad foot down. she did. Imagine all the unwanted attention.
0: <laughs> oh. I I loved doing the Wuthering Heights dance too. Yeah, me too. Honestly, all her dancing. I, I
1: love it. I mean, it's wow, a- wow, 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 wow. That was a good one as well. And the hair. Oh,
0: always the hair. Do you know what? I did revisit the video for Cloud Busting, but it was the extended version. And do you know what? Dothal, Duzzle, du- Duzzle, Donald, <laughs> Donald <laughs> Duck, <laughs> Donald Duck. Donald Sutherland. <laughs> Donald Sutherland he was absolutely amazing And you know what Kind
1: of He's hot So hot. He's, he's so hot. hot. Please tell me he's still alive.
0: Yeah he is, he is. Hanging on by a thread. Can you tell
1: me, is Terence Stamp still alive? I love him too. I think Terence Stamp is still Did he alive. die? Can we quickly Google that? Because I just need to know. I was watching last night, I was watching a film, and I beg you all not to bother with it. It's called Tenet. It's one of those Christopher Nolan confusion films. And I loved Interstellar, which was equally confusing, but at least you could understand what the actors were saying, even if you couldn't understand what they were talking about. But last night, it was like... It was almost like amateur dramatics. And I'm talking Kenneth Branner and other great actors in it. I said to Patty at one point, I feel like I'm watching the A level drama, like, have written and produced their own science fiction action play. It was bizarre.
0: Where they used, like, tints of cat food instead of actual cats and, like, ridiculous dumb shit. What? Anyway, look, I, look that was me and my stupid high school play. Anyway. Just for your information, according yeah. to Wikipedia, Terence Stamp is alive. Yes, and he's eighty-three years. I old. love
1: you, Terence. Oh. oh, I know why I thought about it because Michael Caine made a brief appearance in the film *Tenet* last night. I mean, blinking you miss him. He didn't add anything to it. No one could have.
0: Can we cycle back to Donald yes. Sutherland? Yes, back to Don. He was such a genius in this video with Kate Bush and. I actually linked, for anyone who's interested, I linked in the show notes this piece that he had written about his time working with Kate. Because oh. the way they
1: looked at each other was very loving, wasn't it? It
0: was. But apparently he got the script, was asked to do the video. It said, fuck off, no, not doing it. Hmm. She found out where he was staying in London. He was shooting some shit movie went to his hotel room, knocked on the door, had the William Reich book. He'd just been reading it, took it as a sign, said, yes, I will do it. Um, He got picked up in a car, taken out. They were both in the car together. She absolutely lights up massive spliff. And he's like – Did she? Yeah. And he's like – Okay. You should be doing that. And she's like, absolutely. And so she was like fucked for the whole thing. He loved her, thought she was amazing – um thinks she was just like such a talent they had a great day and he honestly like when you watch all his little nuances with his face in the cloud busting video he's so good like i said i watched the extended mix it's like seven minutes and apparently back in the day it was shown as a short before films in the cinema Ah. yeah so that's why they they made it um so long and I mean, you know, it's like kind of a dud story, but he's
1: wonderful. She's got dodgy wig on,
0: like that, that weird machine that they make, which is, like you said, is a bit
1: tubery. But it's not really. I mean, William Reich didn't make a big rain buster like that out of no, a tuber. He made no. a box where you could have a good old time in. And, or Wink gasmatron. Tank.
0: Honestly, watch it. If anyone hasn't watched it, like I said, in the show notes, you can go and link to a few of these things that I've found. But speaking of not that episode, because I've had no feedback really about that episode. Oh, thanks.
1: Thanks, eavesdroppers.
0: (laughs) What I did get was some eavesdropping feedback
1: from Jen. I'd love to hear.
0: Well, it was about the Strange Addictions episode. And I said, oh, mum, did you listen? And she went, oh, wasn't it dreadful? And I just thought, gosh, I haven't heard anyone say dreadful in years. Absolutely loved
1: it. I think I use the word dreadful occasionally. Oh, do you? Oh, it's dreadful. I'm sure I do. Oh,
0: it's dreadful. <laughs> true, Jen, true. It's just dreadful. <laughs> I think she didn't mean us. I think she just meant the lady eating well, her dead yes, husband.
1: I certainly hope that's what she meant. Trojan, true true. true. true, Jen, true. True, Jen, true.
0: Yes, and then I had Neil the Scientist get in touch.
1: Here we go, Neil. Did he enjoy his his very own jingle? Because you know what, Michelle? We are collecting some uh, (laughs) high-spec contributors to this show. We've got Neil the Scientist. We've got Tamira the Modern Mystic. Don't forget we have Hazel, the psychic real estate agent. And Al Taggett, who is not a unicorn. Yes. We've got all of those amazing contributors Keep on eavesdropping, I tell you what.
0: Anyway, I had some comments from Neil the Scientist. He started off with, you nutbags. Love it. I'm a bag of nuts. (laughs) A bag of nuts. The tardigrades are not my fault, he says. Human DNA is probably the last thing we want to contaminate the universe with. But those oh, yeah. tardigrades are tough little bastards. Following the crash that dumped the
1: tards on the so, moon. I <laughs> oh, don't know if you can call them that. <laughs> Apologies. Apologies.
0: <laughs> That's Neil, Neil's <laughs> words, not ours. Uh, he says... And following the crash and dumped the tiles on the moon, the space nerds have kind of rethought a few things. For example, some nerds were recommending using bacteria to extract minerals from asteroids and planets and stuff. But why? But then people started thinking that maybe we shouldn't be contaminating the universe with our shit for profit. Not yes. just yet anyway.
1: Okay, thanks, Deal. That's incredible.
0: Now, he, he says... Uh, Sheep shearers sometimes wash their hands in their first wee of the morning to make them tough. Now I'm confused Mm. about whether the wee makes your, I think he means your skin, supple or
1: not. Soft or hard. Mm. Okay. Well, I would be confused too, Neil. I would be too. In fact, I am. (laughs) Just look at my face. I'm confused. <laughs>
0: confused from Kent.com. Um, we, he also says, we has been used for lots of things throughout history, like adding to dyes and stuff. It's oh. mainly the ammonia, which is mostly nitrogen, that is the functional part. It sounds to me like that lady with cancer may be consuming a touch too much urine, though. Yeah. yeah. He says here, though, my greatest concern from this episode is why Geordie's husband would, one, piss in the apple juice bottle... Thank you, Neil. Brackets. Is he a long-haul truck driver on a tight schedule? End of brackets. (laughs) And most importantly, too, why would he leave that bottle in the kitchen? Was he stockpiling the urine for something? How is the kitchen a reasonable place to store the urine unless he wanted someone to drink it? I'm very confused.
1: Well, thank you for, for those comments, Neil. I really hope that my husband, Paddy, is listening to this episode because those are the questions, Neil, that I asked him in a very loud voice after I had rinsed <laughs> my mouth out. Michelle was there. I said, why would you do that? Why? He, he claims to have forgotten that, that Doing that But as Michelle alluded to When I first met Paddy He, he had a high bed In uh, a squat And there were many bottles of wee Many uh, When I found out what there were I was like get them out of this room Get them out You will never do that again It's never on It's lazy Just pee out the window Which he does that as well actually I love a nature wee
0: I do I love a nature poop I love a nature wee. Honestly, it's it's so pleasant to do it outside.
1: And what do you do afterwards, Michelle, when you've done a, a nature poop, just out of interest? What do you wipe your ass with?
0: Well, let's see what's around, and if if I did happen to have some kind of a dock leaf tissue, no, a <laughs> tissue or something, I always make sure I bury it. Oh, but okay. yeah, you don't you
1: don't just leave it like above ground. Do you bury? Do you make a little hole before you drop do your droppings? <laughs> <laughs> do you dig a little hole? It depends. I don't walk around with a shovel, no. So do you just think afterwards, oh, I might need to bury that? How do you then bury your poo with your bare hands? So you can't bury it, you just have to cover it. Right. You get leaves
0: and things. Yeah, right. you know. I, nice. Yeah. Anyway. In closing, Neil says, your show is actually quite dangerous for me. I was lifting heavy things in my apocalypse gym. Now, what? he says this because they are in lockdown right now okay. in Australia. In Australia. So, he's, had, he's called it his apocalypse gym. I guess he's yeah. got, you know, tins of beans and God knows yeah. what else. Out
1: of bits and bobs.
0: Bits and bobs. And he says he was lifting heavy things in the apocalypse, ge-
1: Jesus. apocalypse gym yeah.
0: when the bit about strange addictions came on. Ooh. When I heard you do the Southern American accent with the toilet paper eating, I pissed myself laughing. Literally. And drop the weights on my person.
1: Oh, no, I'm sorry to hear that, Neil. But I hope when you pissed yourself, you had a nice big pint glass nearby. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the contribution, Neil. You are earning your worth for that jingle. Neil the Scientist. Neil, he's real. Neil the
0: scientist. Scientist.
1: Neil, he's a scientist.
0: Peel. he blinded
1: us with science. fantastic. Thank you for writing in. We love it when people write in. can I can you bear with me for a moment because last week in our episode i I mentioned the chalk drawings on in the earth yes. that you see around the British Isles. They're quite famous, you know like like Stonehenge. you've got that lovely horsey in Wiltshire and the there man is out in York. Yes. The one in York, etc. Now Moira, our historian, did get back to us. Also, ceramicist Planetarium on on Etsy, beautiful yep. folk pottery. That's yes. right. I will just tell you what Moira, <laughs> our historian, has said. Which she said, few of them are very ancient, although the Uffington White Horse seems to be. Most of them were created in the late medieval to early modern periods, say 1500 to 1800, usually to commemorate an event. They are just basically made by scraping off the turf to reveal the chalk and this is regularly maintained and even painted in some cases.
0: Well, she says that they're not ancient but in my world, coming from a country that's what just over 200 years of founded civilization, yeah. that seems like Old, that is ancient.
1: Thanks, Moy. Thank
0: you, Moyse. So, So. (laughs) what are we talking about today, Michelle? Well, you know that we both love a good old cult.
1: Oh, I love a cult.
0: We do love a cult. But when we were talking about it for this week, you said something like, Okay, let's do cults but nothing too dark. Yeah. So I looked
1: for a light-hearted cult where
0: not everybody dies at
1: the end. Yes, and so did I. So in actual fact, both of us ended up finding something that was more like a sect than a cult. So rather than being a cult, it's become like a religion, like Scientology. So there is some guy who has a vision at the very front of it, convincing people that his ideas are correct because like you said no one died not really
0: not really not really but you know i i think it's what's fascinating to me is that these people how do you how do you motivate these people because I probably will refer to mine as a cult because according to the people who've left this sect, they call it a cult. Okay. But it is a religious sect. And today I'm I'm going to be talking about the Bruderhof. <gasps> What's that? I'll tell you a bit more about it in a moment because what I kind of started off thinking was a little bit like what you were just saying. Why do these cult leaders start out being like – amazing, charismatic, benevolent, giving human beings that people want to follow. And in the end, kind of most of them become power-hungry control freaks. So, I, I mean, I don't really have any answers to this, but I'm curious, like, what flips in these cult leaders where they start off being, like, these messiah-type people and by the way, I feel like that's what uh, Russell Brand is is aiming for. You've do seen you? him, yeah, I do, because you know he was like the sex sexaholic, and you know, like the, the cheeky chappy into all his drugs, hoovering up everything. And now he's got like the grey beard, he's, right? He looks like one, like a cult leader.
1: Well, he does plan to start a cult. He says, I don't know if he's joking, but he does say often about his cult that he's going to stop.
0: But I'd be in Russell's cult. I think that'd be good fun.
1: I would. I have a theory only based on what you've just said and about, you know, what makes these people go from being benevolent to (laughs) wanting to take over and control and then suddenly realise they can have all the sex with the 14-year-old girls and all this kind of thing. I think the same thing happens to people like I'm not going to, I don't know enough about him, but I'm going to say R. Kelly or someone like that. Bit of fame, normal person, talented, doing, doing good. Then suddenly some fame comes their way and it changes them because the way that they're being treated changes. They suddenly feel like, oh. I can get someone to make me a coffee rather than making it myself. Oh, this person wants to have sex with me. Oh, I can have sex with anybody I want. Oh, my God, if I say do this, they're going to do this. Oh, my God, I am the boss. Yeah, maybe. So power goes to people's heads very quickly. And no, I don't think anyone's ever really equipped for fame or power. I don't either. The egos are so fragile.
0: Yeah, and you only have to look at all these people that can't handle fame, like all those child actors who just... Up, burned out you know yeah it's just I don't think any of us you know it's something that we think we want but I think you know that old adage careful what you wish for if mm. you don't know what the consequences of fame and money and power will do to people right so what's this Bruderhof well it's a sect now because I kind of was looking at other cults <laughs> that where people don't die in the end because the Breederhof are a very gentle religious uh-huh. sect. What's it all about? Well, they are Anabaptists. Anna? now. Anabaptists. They call themselves Anabaptists. And what that basically means is they're a little bit like the Amish. Some people say they have a Protestant basis but they say they don't. In essence, it's everything that you kind of want in, like, the perfect society. They live in communes. They all work, but nobody has individual money. They all look after each other. They have sort of uh, their, own, their own communities. You know, it's very, very closed Like I said, like the Amish, they have limited access to like modern technology. So, no smartphones, no TV, no social media. Although, saying that, I did go on YouTube and there is a Bruderhof girl called Laura who has a YouTube channel telling people all about the Bruderhof. They ask her questions. Hey
1: guys, it's Laura.
0: <laughs> okay, today I'm going to tell you all about Bruderhof. Yay! <laughs> that is pretty much it. She was trying to like crack a few jokes. And you you know, like no makeup. They've got head coverings because for the women in the Bruderhof, they are not allowed to wear anything even remotely provocative. So it's all long skirts. So no
1: Kate Bush bras, that's for sure.
0: No Babushka bras, absolutely not. And they are very, very mild in their approach to life. Although dudes can wear whatever they want, but they also... Of course they
1: fucking can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where is that different...
0: Mm. And they also have uh, like a no sex before or outside of marriage rule.
1: Oh, that's different and for a sect or a cult, isn't it? That's new. It is new.
0: And Bruderhof members who are single have to be celibate, 100%. Yeah, because you're not allowed to to have sex in or outside of marriage. It's all about marriage because they really believe that God wants people – to procreate family is everything and Mm. there uh, there is some text that they relate to I should find it um, where it like if in the bible where sex is between a man and a woman so gays are not tolerated in the Bruderhof you have to put everything all your all your thoughts efforts time whatever into building the community and building your family that's right The the bottom line. Who's the boss? Who started it? Yeah, well, it's actually um, the origins of this cult are really interesting. And like I say, they absolutely say they're not a cult, but a religious sect. But like, you know, the people who've left are all like, it's a goddamn cult. But anyway, it started in 1920 in Germany by a guy called Eberhard Arnold and his wife, Emmy. That wasn't a very good German accent, sorry. but I liked it. Eberhard. Eberhard. (laughs) You think that's (laughs) better? So, they had five kids. Uh, Eberhard and Emmy had five kids. And they just decided they wanted to start a Christian community. So, they rented some land in a place called Sanners, which was then part of the Weimar Republic. Okay. Did you know about Weimar Republic? Yes, so you're I You're shaking know about your it. heads. I, yeah. uh, your heads. You have one head. All of you're my You're shaking heads. your head. <laughs> well, I didn't know about it, but it was a separate state. Yeah. And now they're just a part of Germany, I think.
1: Um, yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. I have a but... friend in Germany who's from the Weimar Republic. Oh, Weimar. Originally. Okay. Yeah. Weimar. Weimar. Yeah. Sorry, I called it Weimar. Weimaranas, that beautiful dog that looks like it's a mink color with short, short hair and beautiful pale eyes. They're Weimaramas. They're from the Weimar Republic. They didn't do well when. Uh, no. In, well, this group didn't do well in the Weimar. Well, didn't Weimar Republic have a terrible time with starvation and famine and things? I think everything. But, Especially in that time frame, 20s, yeah. like pre war.
0: Well, well, maybe actually that's why the the group grew i mean they grew and grew, but the thing is, they ended up having to move around Germany for a bit because when Hitler took power and Nazism was on the rise, they were i mean part of their ten one of the tenants of of their community God don't say tenet
1: tenet oh God don't say tenet sorry. when you say tenet, that opens a door apparently if you ask bloody. <laughs> Christopher Nolan, <laughs> terrible movie. <laughs> off.
0: Well, they are a very peace-loving, pacifist community. So when Hitler took power, they moved all their draft-age men and children to Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein. Because, Liechtenstein, yes, because they were all conscientious objectors. And in the end, the pressure of Nazism was too strong on the group. So, they basically picked up and moved to the Cotswolds in England.
1: Okay. Welcome. Welcome to the Cotswolds. Gateway to... What? I don't know what. I don't know. I'm trying to
0: think. I know. It's beautiful. To Middle England. Anyway. Yes. That's it. So, that was in 1936. And they bought this massive 200-acre farm uh, near the village of Ashton Keynes. Do you know where that is? No. No, I don't know where it is. People got wind of what they were all about and ended up people, like English people who were conscientious objectors, ended up like fleeing to their community. Compound. Oh. Yeah. So they wouldn't be drafted and wouldn't be put in prison. So think of this. A German community full of English conscientious objectors did not go down well. I can imagine. And they basically were hounded out of the community by the Brits. Because, I mean, you think about it, the Germans were dropping bombs all yeah. over the, all over Britain. And here you've got this peace-loving society. So, they didn't do well. So, they, they picked up and moved off to, to Shropshire, And that's where the history sort of gets a little bit hazy. Okay. But they're still going, obviously. Because, you know, you've got Laura on YouTube. But... There were, well, actually, as of last year, there were two Bruderhof communities in Germany, three in the UK, one in Robertsbridge in East Sussex. Oh, yeah. Do you know where that is?
1: Yeah, I do. I go there all the time.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought.
1: Yeah, it's right next to Battle.
0: Ah, right. Hmm. Okay. There's one in Dover in Kent. Okay. Yep. And there's one in Peckham in London. Wow. But I know. How do you be like a Bruderhof in I mean, the city? I mean, used,
1: I used to see when I worked in the fashion retail area and travelled a lot as a visual, I used to see what I thought were Amish people coming in and out of blue water in Kent. Okay.
0: Well, look, maybe, maybe they were not Amish because the Bruderhof do look weird. You know, they've got the headscarf. Kind of head covering mm. things. They've got the really daggy, horrible skirts, <laughs> long skirts all the way to the ground. No makeup. So maybe, maybe they were Amish just without the white gear. And anyway, there are uh, three communities in Australia. One in Elsmore one in Inverell and one in Armidale and all of these are all in New South Wales. They're all
1: regional and rural, mm. quite rural, aren't they?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they like having their land. And then they have communities in Austria, Paraguay, of all places and America. I don't know how many oh. in America, but I would say there's there's loads. We were laughing before about, you know, gentle kind of sex when nobody dies, but they are it seems to me like they really do have, like, very good fundamental principles.
1: But what about the people who left, Michelle? Surely they've got bones to pick.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, there are unhappy people there. I mean, look, when I was researching, I did come across this one woman called Cecily who left the Bruderhof when she was 15, And she sort of gave this account of being shamed by the community when she broke the rules because she was speaking to boys outside of the Bruderhof and flirting. Basically, she was sort of made to stand up during a community lunchtime meal because they all have one meal a day together as a community. And she was told that she needed to apologise for her behaviour, that she was the spawn of Satan, she was a parasite on the commune, that she'd grow oh up and be a whore on the street, that she was a
1: vampire, she was an evil child, she was a oh witch. God. This is now reminding me of a horror film that I couldn't watch recently, oh. Midsummer.
0: Oh, the Swedish Did one. Did you watch that? No, I
1: haven't seen it. Oh, Don't watch it. Don't okay, watch it. Okay. You think it's going to be good and it's not. It's horrific. Oh, Jesus, okay. It's very chilling and it's very scary.
0: This poor woman, Cecily, she says she was psychologically traumatised after after Mm -hmm. all of this. Although in the interests of, you know, Two Sides to a Story, the Bruderhof do deny ever saying anything like that to her and they say that they don't use language like that. So I don't know. The truth lies somewhere in the middle. But I did read a couple of accounts where, you know, people weren't, Treated very nicely, and we're shamed by the community. There's one guy who was shamed for being gay, and he actually left. And people who were shamed for flirting and whatever. And, and actually, there's a really great article in the New York Times from the 90s, actually, all about sort of the shitty things that happen behind the scenes at the Bruderhof. Like wow. what we were talking about before, there are some communities where there are, you know, controlling. People running yeah. the community, you know, where there are severe punishments, psychological abuse, but I mean, I think some sexual abuse too. But just you know, Christ. these are the bog standard normal things that happen when you're in a cult, right? Yeah. So you know, <laughs> situation normal. it really, yeah, but. If you think about the Catholic Church and all all those those Catholic priests doing horrible things to small boys, you know it's it's happening in everywhere. Shitty stuff goes on, Mm -hmm. but I would say that in general, the the Bruderhof do have a good baseline for what what they're trying to achieve, and they really are all about working together. And they have a factory and they make wooden furniture,
1: like the Shakers.
0: Yes, and it's for schools and they mm. make fucking big dollar all over the world. People are like their furniture is in really high demand. They are rich. They are a really rich sect. And people kind of work, like the women obviously like have different roles. They work to keep the family going and the men generally do like all the stuff to do with the factories, but they've it's a modern website you can buy this great well-crafted well-made wooden furniture and it's in schools everywhere so they have kind of corporate clients so they are making big money and then everybody gets looked after so fair enough
1: what are they doing with all the money i suppose they're putting it back into their industry and just keeping it rolling
0: yeah they you know it's they don't have flashy cars and all that kind of stuff but everybody is well housed well fed well looked after I mean, they run their own schools, so it's all very enclosed. They have their own medical teams and all that kind of stuff. So they've built their own infrastructure. Well, they sound fun. They don't really drink. Oh no, no, no. sorry, they do drink. Do no. they? Yes, yes. This is what I, re- I read something. The BBC a few years ago apparently did a uh, documentary. I couldn't find it, otherwise I would have watched it. But apparently they love their booze. They're always getting smashed. So actually, okay maybe they they do They have probably have their
1: group. own stills or something.
0: Yeah, maybe. They'll make
1: their own booze.
0: The only weird thing is obviously that they are religious and they're like this anabaptism what that really means is they don't believe that you should baptize children because children can't choose. They think that as an adult you should get baptized. So these adult baptisms are like you know, every week or something because you okay. are continuously baptizing yourself and washing yourself of yeah. sin and renewing your faith. Hmm. So that's sort of sort of where they are. But um Amazing.
1: Yeah, but you know and no one died. Well
0: that's it. Like we have Jonestown Massacre. <sighs> the Jonestown jo- Massacre We have the Jonestown Massacre where Jim Jones gave all his people's temple people
1: poison kool-aid they all died. yeah it wasn't actually right? kool-aid apparently but yes no, exactly it was
0: some aid it and was they a didn't type take of it aid.
1: they didn't take it willingly most of them it's horrific that story oh. but we won't go into the darkness today we don't want to talk about david berg and his children of god and all the awful abuse and
0: no uh, but it's more about just you know so you've got Jonestown massacre where they all died at the end you've got waco where actually Davidian, that wasn't Branch
1: Davidian sect. Branch Davidians. Yep. That
0: wasn't even David Koresh's fault that they all died. The U.S. government swooped in and like hit them with poisonous gas and then set the whole compound on fire, so they all died in the end. But that wasn't mm. that wasn't his fault. And of course, then you've got things like Heaven's Gate, where mm-hmm. like.
1: Which I was uh, going to do today, actually. Oh, wait, it's so yeah. interesting. There's a great podcast with Glenn Washington. He's amazing. He does some great podcasts, actually. But he has a family history of being in sex <gasps> and things like that. So his expose, or you know, documentary-style podcast it's about ten about ten episodes called Heaven's Gate is well worth a listen. Oh wow! Because for anyone who doesn't know anything about Bonnie and you know, the what was it Doe and Ray. It's very interesting.
0: I I don't know that much about it more than he told the the dude, the main dude, what was his name, Thomas Applethwaite or something, the leader, he told all his followers that um, the earth was going to get recycled and that there was a spaceship behind the Hale-Bopp comet and then he gave them all a really delicious cocktail of vodka, pineapple juice and cyanide and then they all died.
1: Ultimately, in a nutshell, that is the story. But do go and listen to the podcast. It's so good.
0: But what I find, if we relate relate it back to the Bruderhof, you know, they are just living on farms, doing their thing, looking after their people. Yes, okay, you're not allowed to flirt. They have got rules. If you break the rules, maybe you don't get treated so well. But yeah, right. I mean, we do that too. We have rules in our society. And if you don't, stick by them you get thrown in jail you know whatever mm-hmm. like everyone every society has rules so on the whole well, I mean it's not something I would want to join but
1: it's fairly innocuous yeah
0: it, it gets a, a, a mild thumbs up I guess okay that's,
1: that's a, a mild thumbs up from Michelle on the what they call again the Bruderhof Bruderhof sect
0: Bruderhof don't, want, Don't want, want no vanilla, vanilla slice. Don't, Don't want, want no ice. Bow, bow. Don't, Don't want, want no chunky Wagon. Wagon, wheels, we'll go on. Neenish, touch. For it's
1: the smokehouse. You're right there. Yeah.
0: Give us a light The two-tone taste of fabulousness. Two birds yakking.
1: Well, I... I, too, have a sect to talk about today, Michelle, because after looking at Heaven's Gate and thinking, oh, it's just too big and other people have done it much better, like Lynn Washington, I've done one which is quite similar to Scientology in a way because it's based on science fiction. Wow. Have Have you heard of the, riot, the International Raelian Movement? No, not even a little bit. Okay, well, their founder is a French sports car journalist called Claude Vorilon, who claimed to have met an alien who named him Rael in 1974. Wow. Yeah, so he bumped into this alien and he told him that the human race was created by aliens. And these aliens were like androgynous, an androgynous race who've evolved to banish things like greed, hate, racism, sexism, and the male and females are indistinguishable. okay. So, the followers of this sect, <laughs> and, and he looks a little bit like a cross between Russell Brand and Bhagwan Shri Rajneesh, who has his own little sect, now called Osho, you know, the Shri, the Bhagwan Yeah. Sri, you know, remember with Ma Sheila saying, Duff Diddy. So, followers. Wear a pendant that is the swastika with a with what? a Jewish star around it. And they have a ritual where you send your DNA to another planet. And they want to rebuild African women's clitorises in a specially built pleasure hospital. These are all the wonderful things that they do. They're oh a very God. harmless sect. But listen, Cloud Cloud Cloud. Claude Vorillon had minor success as a young man as a pop star in France. His name wasn't that. It was something different. But it all came to an end when his manager committed suicide in the 70s. And then because he was a keen racing car fan, he got into sports journalism, married his wife who was a nurse and then started his own magazine called Pop. Okay.
0: He's a smart guy.
1: He's a smart guy. And then he met the alien in 73. (laughs) And everything changed. So... He wrote loads of books and he does lots of conferences. And now he claims in one of his many books that on the 13th of December 1973, in a secluded volcanic crater in France, he saw a spaceship descend and an alien came out who spoke to him in French and told him that the only reason that the alien was there was because he was waiting to meet up with Claude Vorillon and only him because he needed to give him a message. And it was Claude's mission to inform his fellow Earthlings. So he got a new name, which is great because I'm having difficulty pronouncing Vorilong. (laughs) He's now named Ra'el by the being, right? Ra'el. Ra'el, which means something I can't remember what. So this alien said that scientists from another planet about, I think it's 25,000 years ago, they had scientific advances and they created all life through DNA manipulation. okay. These extraterrestrials are called Elohim, meaning those who come from the sky. So this extraterrestrial went on to say there had been 40 prophets previously with the same message in Earth's history. And they'd all been sent. But due to the primitive language and cultures in humans at the time of these prophets arrivals, the messages were misunderstood and distorted.
0: Geordie, what are the messages? I'm sitting here thinking, what are the messages? The message, well, he's given
1: the message now. It's out there. The reason for the message was so that we would know about our origins. So these aliens were getting in touch with people like Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad. All of those people in the past were given the same message. But as a people, earthlings, misconstrued it. That's what the alien guy was telling Rael so the reason was so that we would know about our origins and we could prepare for the aliens' return by building a massive embassy on neutral territory so oh. Rael as he's now known says that certain mysteries were explained to him based on new interpretations on sacred texts like the bible and other you know, religious texts. They were all explained to him. And he's also been taken to another planet where he met Buddha, Moses, Jesus and Muhammad amongst others. Wow. So he's got all the books that you can read. One's called Extraterrestrials Took Me to Their Planet. Oh my God, I... I love this guy.
0: This guy is absolutely whack. Oh.
1: Yeah, so he started his movement called the International Raelian Movement. Now they are all—they're very harmless nutbags. They're known as. They are about sexual liberation, and <laughs> Rael was actually married four times. Once to the sixteen-year-old daughter of other cult members. Oh, Jesus. Okay.
0: Here we go. But on
1: the whole he they is were French though too. Come on. Exactly. And it was the 70s I suppose. <laughs> they were regarded as camp, goofy, harmless nut jobs and in 1991 a journalist signed up to a week one of their week-long sensual meditation camps which is like a nudist camp with lots of meditation. <laughs> so this journalist snuck into the tents and recorded couples having sex oh. which was then played on the radio so then the <gasps> sect had a really bad reputation as orgiastic brainwashers no oh, and there was lots mean. of tv shows no. i know oh. but anyway rael believes that soon humans will not need to work or have jobs because of technological advancement that's that's being that's coming and because we are not made to work because we're you know, all that work, hard work, is made is supposed to be done by machines. We are supposed to just lay back and create and think and. I'd meditate. love that. Oh, that's yeah. that sounds like a good life. That sounds like retirement, really. <laughs> <laughs> so he has another book called "Yes to Human," yes to human cloning, which came out in two thousand and one. So he loves the idea of human genetic engineering in mm. order to avoid genetically inherited diseases and to reduce the economic burden on society through health and social care expenses. Okay. He also believes in nanotechnology, which a lot of other cults believe in. It does exist, but we're still in the early stages. But he believes that nanotechnology will make it possible to have a power plant in each house. Oh. So you can, you know, generate your own electricity. Furnishings. Will be made of self-cleaning fur that moves on its own, and we'll have biological robots. So these are things. I mean, I don't know about the furry sofa. Yeah, we might. You know, we might burn our way to achieving some of those things. I kind of like. I like.
0: I like his directives here. No,
1: he also says nanotechnology can help animate plant life, and he says that when he met these aliens, he was presented with genetically modified flowers that danced about and changed (laughs) colour with to music. That,
0: that's what happens so, when you drop acid.
1: Well, that could have been the case. Again, he was a pop star. Yeah. <laughs> so Rael says genetically modified food is the only way to stop world famine and that in the future meat and salads will someday be grown in a machine via molecular construction. Hello, corn.
0: It's already happening. We already talked about synthetic meat in a previous
1: episode. We did. Dude's dude's on it. Dude's ahead He's of his it. time. There's a lady called Maurice Pellequart. Who okay. spent or <laughs> Peloquin, who spent ten years researching Claude Vorilhon and Raelism. She discovered evidence that Rael took ideas from other UFO writers from the nineteen fifties through oh. to the seventies. So there's quite a bit of plagiarism at play here. Her book is called Rael, Thief of Souls, Biography of a Liar.
0: Oh my God, Do you know what? It yeah. sounds she sounds like a woman scorned. Because what I was going to say <laughs> is Look, maybe he didn't steal ideas. Maybe these other people, if well, you know, have been visited by the aliens.
1: Well, they do say that it's people like George Adamski and Jean Sendy who have been directly quoted almost from their books. They were science fiction writers, and you know, ancient astronauts. They would they would write about. Okay. So, for example, Jean Sendy was a French writer and translator who died in the 70s. And his 1968 book is called The Moon, The Key to the Bible. And he claims the word Elohim, which -hmm. is what Rael says the aliens are called, was mentioned in the Old Testament. And it usually translates as God. But he realized that it's actually the plural, gods. So he claimed that the gods were actually aliens. And the book of Genesis was, in fact, a factual historical document about ancient astronauts colonising Earth's Earth who became angels in human memory. Wow. Okay. And then he's got a 1969 book called Those Gods Who Made Heaven and Earth. Sandy said that aliens arrived 23,500 years ago. So if you remember, Rael said it was 25,000 years ago that they colonised the Earth with all this DNA manipulation. So Sandy had said in his book back in 69... So it's quite close to the time when Rael met the alien in yeah, 1973. Yeah, yeah,
0: just a few years later. Yeah.
1: So he says that that's when humanity kicked off thanks to the aliens. Now, I was, you know, I always think back to movies that I've seen. And, of yeah. course, I'm a science fiction fan, so I was thinking of Prometheus, which is I've the prequel to Alien. Don't, because it's hard. It's hardcore. <laughs> you know, don't take your kids to see it, please, Michelle's sister, Steph. When she's heard other recommendations, she said, Oh, I'll sit down with the kids and watch, <laughs> watch that. No, Signs. don't do that. And don't watch uh <laughs> Midsummer and don't watch Prometheus. It's Ridley Scott's prequel to Alien, and it was a it was kind of like the origin story of the alien monster that's in all his films, right? It was about an alien race called the Engineers who created life okay. on Earth and other planets, only to destroy it later. Oh. Oh, so, In a Ridley Scott interview, he said that the reason the engineers wanted to destroy Earth, specifically mankind, was because Jesus Christ was an engineer. Oh. Very similar to the Ryelian backstory. The engineers made man and man went bad. So they sent an engineer to try and fix the problem. We crucified the engineer and apparently they didn't like this. So they came back and yeah, that was Ridley's version of the his his movie because i was left with loads of questions about that movie despite all the horror and everything that you had to endure anyway back to rael in 1992, there was an attempt on Rael's life. There was an ex-member called Jean Paragat who had a criminal record for car theft and drug dealing. And he believed that Rael was keeping his wife and children captive and trying to break up his family by for- and forcing them into orgies and child sacrifice. So he got up on a TV program and made mm-hmm. all these claims. And apparently he had or was about to attempt to shoot him, but it didn't happen on air. Okay, fuck. He survived, clearly. Yep. Now, on to more darker fare...
0: Oh, I mean, yeah, so far, you're... no one
1: has died. No one has died, Michelle. We did want a light-hearted sect, or cult. We cold, did, we and, did. And we did find that.
0: Well, you but... found it. The Bruderhof seemed completely boring compared to the old railings. <laughs> in 1997,
1: a science company called Aid was founded in the Bahamas by Claude Vorillon, oh. a.k.a. Rael. And in 2002... A woman called Brigitte Boisselier, who's a chemist and CEO of ClonAid, claimed that they did an experiment that cloned a 31-year-old woman and a baby was born named Eve by the scientists. She was born in an undisclosed location outside the United States. So the cloned woman, this yeah. 31-year-old woman, had donated DNA and then had the, em- the embryo implanted and gestated her clone. She carried her own self. She basically gave birth to herself, yeah. Oh, my God. Isn't that weird? But, I mean,
0: not impossible. Like, it's, it's well, no. weird, but...
1: Well, exactly. I mean, it's,
0: like, it's possible to do that, but I'd never even thought about carrying
1: your own self. Yeah.
0: Like, oh, fuck. I know. Okay. Bizarre.
1: So, there's an ethicist called Jonathan Moreno who said... We know from farm animals that they've had problem with their neurological systems. This is when they've done cloning before. They've had tumours. They've had problems of premature ageing. So we don't really know what the health consequences are going to be for this child.
0: If it exists. If it exists. Well, exactly. If it exists.
1: Because Voselie was unable to show DNA evidence with a genetic match between the mother and daughter, which leaves her claim scientifically unsupported. DNA tests had been planned but were postponed after a Florida lawyer named Bernard Siegel asked a state court to appoint a legal guardian for Eve for protection, claiming that the child may have birth defects and was being exploited. But Boiselier said the tests on Eve were postponed because the baby's parents wanted to keep the identity secret. For a year after, that was the only information I could find, the baby hadn't been confirmed to be... So the baby does exist? Well, they're not sure. A year later, there was no evidence. There is gossip that on, you know, things like Reddit and that, that that the baby is in Israel, but there has been no proof.
0: No, I mean, it just sounds like PR to me. It could
1: be. And Rael does love the cloning because he says he insists he saw his own body being recreated in a vat in his book called They took me to another planet. No, they took me to (laughs) their planet, yes. (laughs) And in a speech in Montreal in 2000, he promised immortality via cloning to everyone in the room aged 54 or under. Now, I don't quite understand Hmm. that because immortality, so she's given birth to her baby, but they don't share thoughts.
0: No. They don't
1: share a soul if there's such a thing as a soul. Do you know what I mean? But that essence that makes you, Michelle, you and me, Geordie, We, you know, if I was to give birth to you and you were me, you would still be, you'd still have your own thoughts and surely you wouldn't have the same memories, you wouldn't have the same experiences. So it wouldn't be the same person.
0: No, it wouldn't be. So I think this idea of immortality is a bit wrong if they're thinking cloning is the the path to immortality. Because you're right. Immortality is you as you are with your thoughts, your body, your whatever, living forever. So it doesn't really. That doesn't add up.
1: No. Anyway, the Royalists believe that Judgment Day is coming when the Elohim, who record every human memory and DNA on a, an advanced supercomputer, will return to Earth and resurrect those who have already died using cloning. So that's how uh, we are going to live on oh, in that little not completely thought out science fiction story. What happens is if you get clearly what it is? It? Uh, well what What happens if your body
0: is just all dust and
1: worms i don't know well that's what your body will be i know but they've got your dna no they've got your dna and they've got all your memories on a supercomputer and they just grab your a chip with your memories on it and they grab a bit of your dna they they cook cook you up in a vat and they pop your memories back in voila there you are what do you think of that
0: could they make me taller (laughs) Can they they do some adjustments? Do you know what? I think it's absolutely mad.
1: If you've been augmented, you would come back as the original version, wouldn't you? Oh, so So you wouldn't
0: have the new Pamela
1: Anderson would be a different – yeah, she'd have to do all that work again. Do you know what? I
0: remember seeing this show, and I can't remember what it was, but it was one of those terrible plastic surgery gone wrong shows, and it was this woman who had – butt implants because you know they're Ugh. all the rage
1: why but why get those i, I mean i've got know. a huge ass it's not it's not fun
0: do you know what it's, it's we, not cool it's not cool but like we grew up when having an ass was no no no
1: nobody was it was so completely
0: out out nobody <laughs> wanted an ass
1: i had a cardigan tied around my waist for a good 10 years. <laughs> to try and, and and my mother before me also told me the very same thing. She said she was walking down the street in Sydney back in the days in Newtown, back in the days when the old men would be like the blokes, you know, with their singlets and vests, their vests and their yeah. flip flops standing at the front with their beers. She was pregnant with one of me or my siblings and... As she walked past, they said, oh, look at her. She's having her baby on. She's got her baby on back to front.
0: No. Oh, God, that's so mean.
1: No.
0: Well, I always used to have a a jumper tied around my waist as well, which came in very handy one day when I had a a period accident. But anyway, (gasps) and I was on a date. I was at the movies with a boy. I was trying to impress. Oh, Oh, God, it was terrible. I had these boy George style white jeans well they were white trousers with numbers on them and (laughs) yeah with braces like you know the braces (laughs) that you put in (laughs) they were terrible and I had a white crop top and (laughs) thank god I had a jumper because I just was like Something's gone wrong here, and it was just <laughs> the big period leak. Anyway, um, oh, yeah, this Michelle. back to this poor woman with the butt implants. She had, um, they, the, I mean, she had a massive, massive ass. Anyway, but she had these butt implants to make it more like a bubble butt, like it was Lifted. rounded. But they kept flipping. What? they kept flipping inside her ass and you saw this <laughs> like a padded
1: bra insert when it yes, gets all twisted exactly. yeah exactly But oh.
0: then you would see because it was a you know like these uh, this video footage of her 5 year old kid having to flip her ass back so she oh my trained God. her children above and beyond to flip her ass so if she came back Jeez. she would have no no issues
1: no bum no bumming she wouldn't have op she'd probably think twice about getting that op done again actually yeah i
0: think i think we we all would but anyway do you know what jordie that was so much more interesting than the bruderhof amazing (laughs) because mine (laughs) mine are actually just like normal people trying to have a simple peaceful life yeah. yours is about nutters and we always love a nutter I love I love crazy cults, crazy crazy sex
1: and you know to be to be continued I reckon with the Raelians I'd love to know there's still more going on but you just don't hear about them very often probably because they're not English speakers mm. like essentially they are French and French colonies and and, and they they usually kind of set up base in francophile countries okay
0: but what do you think it is with we were talking about heaven's gate you talked about scientology what yeah. is it about aliens and these sects these these cultish sects like why why is there all of these things about spaceships landing and yeah how 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 has it become well, so, such a popular idea
1: well it's because UFOs and UAPs they're popular aren't they? And then it gets you thinking I suppose.
0: You can think oh maybe there's something else out there. I mean I like we've talked about this before. Right? It's uh, yeah. unlikely that there's that we're the only ones
1: in the whole universe. Well exactly. <laughs> Even if it's just a bit of bacteria somewhere else. I mean that, that's still a life form isn't it?
0: But yeah, it just I find Look, I think we should have a look into Scientology because I don't know m- enough about it, but it's very fascinating.
1: You've got to be very careful because they're all powerful. Yeah, I know. Then they may shut, shut us, us down. down. Yeah.
0: Do you know what? I did actually go to the Scientology Center in LA. Yeah. Because we were doing, like, organizing this thing on the grounds. Um, it's like for one of the magazine shoots. And I was, yeah, it's beautiful. There's a lot of money, a lot of money in that sect. (laughs) Anyway, moving right along. Thank you so much. I really
1: loved that. I loved hearing about that. Thanks. Well, you know what? I'd just like to say thank you for your story, Michelle. Every story's a winner. Somebody might find that really interesting and want to go out there and try and be a Bruderhof. Who knows? Or Gruderhof. You never know. You never know. You never know. But in the meantime, I hope you've enjoyed this little eavesdropping session. And from here on in, you must continue 2 keep on dropping 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 all day long